Good afternoon, friends and traders. Welcome to Limit Up Podcast. I am Dan Hodgins, sitting down with, as always, Jack Peltzer. Jack, how are you? Hi. Where am I today? Once again. I was going to say, it's a different place every time I see you these days. I got a better setup. I am uh, in my dad's old office. And like, uh, he, was, he's a, he, he was a doctor, and true story, that is an actual human skull up there behind me over here. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a baseball hat at first. Well... It's a very gruesome baseball hat, I guess you could say. But, yeah, doing well otherwise. This will hopefully be my last week where I have to be running around with this equipment. So that's good. How you been, Dan? That's outstanding. Can't complain. Uh, you know, not that anyone here cares, but I'm very excited. Piers are going in at the lake, uh, so that means boats are about to go in. Summer's around the corner. Uh, and me disappearing early some many days uh, to go get on the water are in my future. Well, nice. Well, maybe you can afford some more uh, equipment after today's market performance. How's that for a segue? You know, I'd love to sit here and talk about these markets and be excited. My portfolio is still not very good (laughs) over the last few months uh, or year to date. Oh, demolished. Yeah, I know. With the top, um, step, with the top step flyer this year, we bought some. Uh, how, do, how do you say it? Rivian, right? Rivian. Yeah, that's been getting hammered pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. Rivian's been a topic. Um, I've actually seen some of them running around. I mean, my portfolio. Uh, let's just in, say I pulled up some of that stuff today, and I closed it out really quickly. Yeah, I'm not gonna look. I will say we need to discuss about our predictions last week. And I'm really upset that when, at the end of the episode, we guessed where the NASDAQ would be at 3 p.m. a week from today on Thursday. And boy, did I feel smug last night. We were at like 13,700, and I called that we were going to drop below 13,000. And I was like, man, I'm going to go and gloat. And then what does the market do? 500 points up in the NASDAQ today. Uh, I'm just going to say, Jack, do you recall the number I said? You said we'd be down 500. So and we were we were trading. We were just trading thirteen seven. Yeah. Uh, right now we're thirteen three two. Um, so I'm gonna take the victory on this one. You could take the victory, but I still called the thirteen thousand. So we're both right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So why don't we give a quick rundown of the goings about today? Because Let's, it's a wild one. That GDP number, possible recession, but that's good for stocks now. So let it yeah. fly, Dan. Kind of interesting. While crude oil, there's no question about it. Crude oil continues the rally to the upside. Um, you know, the last two days or so, we've seen some attempt to push lower. Zero acceptance below that $100. No, not even a, barely any test at $100 today. Uh, we rotate from about 101 up to $105. End of the day, right at 105.32. So those gas prices and Rivian are sounding really nice right now. Uh, I wouldn't mind an electric car. Um, I actually had a phone call with my brother today about potentially putting in an order for some electric cars for ourselves uh, to offset the gas costs. But I'll leave that as is. Stocks, though, Jack, you alluded to it. We got a big uptick here today. GDP comes out, a little questionable, but uh, stocks don't care. Stocks uh, are happy with the information, and you get a big uptick here until end-of-day sell-off. Yeah, they like the uh, Fed put. That's what they like. Came in at, I believe minus 1.4 but it's a very deceptive number it was there's just we're still in this crazy covid measurement time where these numbers are very hard to digest so never been a number quite like this normally down 1.4 
would be an exceptionally bad number. It'd be like the beginning two straight quarters of negative GDP growth is a uh, technical definition of a recession. This number today, uh, a lot of it had to do with inventories and uh, import-export balances because the consumer spending was up 2.7, which was fine. Uh, The business investment was up like 9.2% year over year, which is not something you usually see in recessions. So there's a lot to digest there. your guess is good as mine, but I think we go back to the people care the most about a uh, rate short term. So that negative number, I think, is what sparked this mm-hmm. today. And I will say this to keep in mind, you know, you come into the end of the day here and we saw both S&Ps and NASDAQ with a pretty heavy sell off in the last hour of the day or uh, last 45 minutes or so. What that indicates to me is you're seeing short time frame bid this thing up. So do we expect? I do. I I'm gonna say. Do I expect these prices to hold higher? No, I really don't. I think you saw a lot of short time frame people get in. Hey, quick move. Let's find an opportunity. Both these markets were broken down to um, right down to settlement price. So a good buy opportunity for a cheap entry. And then you sit in that trade and you got the runner and you're looking to watch both of those markets move to the overnight high. They blow right through that. You're sitting back and you're now. You're saying, hey, I'm going to wait till uh, end of day, get it right before close. I'm going to go ahead and start peeling off my position. I think that's what you saw a lot of here today. Pay close attention to the volume at these levels, at the higher levels. Uh, there was low volume on the last sort of spike up, and it was a good opportunity to sell. But like today, you know, when you have a lot of people that are short, especially, if you get a big rip today, it can kind of feed itself. I think there were some people getting squeezed a little bit there, too. Absolutely. I'm talking about squeeze. I'm getting the notification now. Earnings are kind of coming through. Amazon uh, loss per share is $7.56. Uh, revenue beat slightly. Um, they were uh, one, uh, $116.4 billion was what the actual was, where the expectation was $116.3 billion. So small beat there, but uh, a miss on earnings per share. Uh, so earnings, they're going to be a heavy factor too. I mean, obviously these big ones are coming through Amazon today. That's one of the big ones. Let's go ahead and take a look at gold. Gold is uh, relatively quiet, continues to be this inside trade. Uh, I think gold is still digestive, right? Gold is just mm-hmm. in that holding pattern, waiting for some more reaction, waiting for Fed. Hey, maybe this GDP stuff is going to force the Fed to make some changes or adjust the language that they're speaking, which could force gold to make some moves. So gold uh, inside day here today, worked around settlement price all day. Um, and ending up near those overnight highs. Euro down a little bit, and no surprise here. We're talking Fed continues continuing to raise those rates. Yields continue to rise, and you've got the 10-year note down. So markets are touched on. Jack, I think you nailed the, the big one here, GDP. That's the important one here today, um, and the markets were okay with those numbers. I think so. I'm trying. My computer's slow right now. I'm trying to check out what Amazon is doing after that number because we just talked last week we were talking about the concentration of uh amazon shares plunge eight percent on week sales forecast oh buddy eight well looks like uh elon musk might have to come in and uh, buy tesla or buy amazon next yeah let's see what the nasdaq's doing now (laughs) let's (laughs) yeah that i I truly have enjoyed the tweets and i don't need to go down the rabbit hole of the elon musk buying twitter uh, but I have truly enjoyed the tweets coming from him here uh, the last couple days uh, about all the things that he might buy next. Yeah, guy's a madman. I'll be interested to see if after hours the NASDAQ doesn't start to hurt 
after all that like uh yeah. Amazon eight percent. That's a big guy. Yeah, now nine point seven five down two hundred and eighty dollars a share. Um so definitely taking a hefty hit there in the Amazon. I'll have the world's tiniest violin for Jeff Bezos. Uh anyway, yep. today Don't feel for him. Yeah. Today, uh we did trading hour yesterday, tops up trading hour, it was great. Uh there'll be a recording of that out at some point. But uh, we took questions beforehand online, and I kind of want to talk today about one of the questions we got. Um, somebody asked, uh, I'm looking for futures trading strategy. I come from stock and option trading, but I find the futures market too volatile. How can I manage not to, uh, to trade and not get stopped out? Uh, that got me think about a larger thing is sort of what the transition's like from stocks and options to futures, because I think a lot of people start trading um, stocks certainly um probably the usual progression for day traders a short time frame would be like stocks to options to futures or something like that dan would you say that's correct yeah i uh i think obviously i'm a an an anomaly uh that was not my route but um i think that seems to be the standard progression right you get into stocks because hey it's easy you can do it right on your phone there's a lot of accessibility that barrier to entry right now for stocks has just been completely dwindled with the introduction of Robinhood. I mean, there's so many apps out there. I have one that I enjoy. It's called Acorn. Uh, it's just like a roundup thing. You know, it just takes 50 cents or whatever on my credit card every spend, whatever it is. I use it as, as funny money. Like, hey, I, you know, I think I put a couple hundred bucks in over the last two months and Maybe at the end of the year, I'll look at it and maybe they'll cover a Christmas gift for someone, right? Like those are the things like there's a barrier to entries become easier, but it creates an excitement. And then you're thinking, okay, well, what can I do? I don't want to put up $5,000. I want, you know, to only buy one thing. Then you can start to open it up and then options. Options become that really next nice entryway into things. So I think it's a, a very good progression. And then all of a sudden you hear about this thing called futures and uh, the game changes for you a little bit. Yeah, so I think that what gets people trading um, options and futures is obviously, or Forex really for that matter, is the idea of leverage, which I'm sure all you out there are familiar with. But uh, there's a lot of things that kind of makes trading stocks uh, for, for trading purposes. Not, I mean, stocks are great for long-term investments and things like that. But there's a number of obstacles that make them kind of hard to day trade, mainly that you need a lot of money to do it. Um, even you know, even when you're trading on margin and things like that. I mean, what was it, Dan? Don't you need what's the pattern day trader thing? You need like a twenty-five thousand dollar account if you make a certain number of transactions or something like that. Yeah, a certain number of transactions. I mean, it's it's very difficult. It's extremely difficult to kind of get into the day trading world of stocks. And then, you know, not only the the amount of capital you have to put up to Jack, but you got to think about it, right? Some of these stocks, there are so many stocks out there. Like, which one am I going to trade? Am I going to be an active trader on one stock? Am I going to be active on Tesla? Or am I going to try and, you know, there are programs out there that you can pay for for um, radar alerts or something like that where you get the alert pop up of like, hey, this is a high volatile pro stock today. They're seeing movement here. You got to jump around. But then it's you don't know the history of that stock. You don't know the background. You don't know exactly what's going on. So you got to redo the research on it. It's uh, There's a lot of information out there when it comes to just stock trading on top of the capital investment. 
so much insider information and things like that flowing around there too. And I feel like, especially once you get to sort of like the more degenerate realms of stock trading, you know, you guys have all seen the Wolf of Wall Street. There's some kind of shady stuff that goes on the uh, lower the market cap you go. You know, you start trading Tesla. Next thing you know, you're trading some, uh, I don't know, uh, bottle cap uh, manufacturer in, uh, you know, French Guiana or something like that with a market cap of $100,000. I mean, like, it's a slippery slope. Jack, you mentioned something, and I'm, I'm going to regret saying this, but I'm going to say it. I, I saw TikTok recently. I, I enjoy scrolling through TikTok. It's mind-numbing. I saw a TikTok recently, and it was like the mannerisms of a prop better. Um, and that exactly was exactly what you kind of had me thinking about too, right? Like you start you start in one thing, and then you go down this rabbit hole like prop betters. You know, I saw this video, and the guy was like, well, I got the mortgage. Uh, I got a mortgage payment for this month on them picking the blue Gatorade. Oh, man, it came out red Gatorade. And like things yeah. like that, like that's where you start. I feel like you can easily get into that realm when it comes to stock trading. Oh yeah, you always have to be careful on that. Yeah, I've you know I had friends that played professional poker and they would tell stories about. I may have said this on the show before, but just like you know, people that were like had iPads, so they you know they're playing hands of poker while they're betting like halftime lines in WNBA games. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a rough way to go through life. But um, yeah, it's like the, odd, the odds the odds I can play this one, I can play the odds here, and you know if I hit on hit on one of the 17 bets I make, I'm, I'm walking away scratch. It's like, but you're betting on crazy things that are unrealistic. Yeah. Now there are indices that, uh, that are kind of like futures. Like a lot, I'm sure a lot of people train stocks trade like the, you know, the spy or something like that. But really the obstacle there just becomes a matter of leverage. You're not going to get that much margin leverage. So if you're doing pure day trades, that's tough. So then people go to options, which options. I love options. I, trade them a little bit. Dan, you have extensive um, experience trading them. But the, the big thing I've noticed just from the general retail landscape as far as options, and I would love, you know what I would love? I bet you Robinhood what would doesn't. You love, Jack? I would love the following. And I bet you Robinhood doesn't release this info. No, they absolutely don't because they're selling at the Citadel. Uh, you'll get what I'm about to say. <laughs> Is uh, as far as day trading options, uh, retail people are buying them and professionals are selling them by and large yeah and i would love to see i would love to see what robin hood's option flow look like as far as um buy to sell right i i, I bet you like the only op there's probably like covered calls on meme meme stocks people are selling occasionally like weeklies but um mm -hmm. overall you see people buying option lottos. And the, the problem here is options obviously give you a ton more leverage. But uh, the biggest thing is when you're using them to trade directionally, uh, the other option Greeks, especially the time one, will eat you up, right? If you want to bet that the, uh, you know, the spy, which is kind of like the equivalent of the ES future, if you're going to trade them similar ways, it's going to go long today you're gonna have to buy a pretty sh for that to pay off you're gonna need like a pretty short dated option and you're gonna have a lot of that premium evaporate uh dan this is more your realm so maybe you could talk more about well jack you know you touched on the number one thing there um why to me retail options are not going to be the greatest thing right it's premium decay 
Um, so you have to think short term. You got to think about what the decay on my option is going to be as we approach expiration. Um, so that's one of the biggest ones, right? So you have a lot of different options breakdowns. For those that don't know, my background in options is actually on the professional side. I was a 30-year bond options trader before I came over to Top Step. Um, so the retail side of things as an options trader, I've never been a real big fan of. Um, from a professional standpoint, I like them, um, but they take a lot of risk. And that's one of the main reasons I ended up walking away from that aspect of trading. So de Jack, decay. Decay on the expiration, one of the biggest things to think about. Um, that's hugely important. So when you're buying an option or you're selling an option or however you want to get into them, right, um, there is decay. So you're buying it based off of an expiration date. Um, they can be weekly. They can be monthly. They can be quarterly. There's different types of uh, expirations on them. Most people are doing a lot of weeklies. Weeklies are, or we, they call them weeklies or they call them the minis. Um, there's a ton of risk involved in taking those. So you have a couple things that can happen. As decay goes on, it can turn into a worthless option and it's expiring worth nothing. Uh, so your investment gone, you're getting nothing out of it, and boom, uh, you have a worthless expiration on that. Another thing to think about too when you're trading options, yeah, you've got predetermined profit on what you're going to take out of things, but your risk in an options trade can and a lot of times will be a lot higher risk uh, than the potential profit to be made. So that's another thing to think about. I will say though, they are fun and there are great reasons to use options in your retail life. Number one, hedging. It's a great mm -hmm. opportunity, right? If you have, if you're, because I, I can sit here and say, I don't know everyone out there. I'm not just a futures trader. It's not the only thing I'm doing. I have a portfolio. I have investments. I have other things that I'm looking at. And to me, options are a great way to create a little bit of a hedge there. Right. If I'm buying into some sort of stock, I can create a hedge. I can buy an option further out to kind of cover myself to see if I can protect myself. So there's that idea of protection, cheaper yeah, barrier buying, entry. Buying a put option on something you own is fundamentally the same as buying insurance on a house that you own or something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like I think that there is a place for options among um, certain you know portfolio risk profiles, which I think are mainly the most common of which would be like buying um buying puts for insurance or selling uh covered calls for more or less the same reason just to like mm -hmm. give yourself some protection um but I, I don't think that's how a lot of people you know trade them on a day-to-day -day basis and like you're saying the professionals you run into the same problem that you do if you're just trading stocks because the professionals are the you know market makers and stuff are using options with a tremendous amount of hedges on, right? Right. Like that was my background, right? I'm an options trader. I used futures to hedge my position. Now, I actually recently was working with a couple of professional futures traders. Um, we were developing some stuff. We were trading together and they wanted to put on some options. Also, they start putting on some options. And I was like, kind of what, what's your mentality or what are you looking for? And he was like, well, I'm buying calls because I think the market's going to go higher. I'm like, more to it than directional trade if you just want a directional trade don't trade options options are not directional trading it's going to be difficult because at the end of the day the reason i think options are one of the more difficult things it's tough to teach it is one of the most complicated things out there um you know my dad always told me he's like options are your chat are your chess there are a ton of different moves there are a ton of different outcomes 
But the nice part about them is there are multiple ways to make money. So you can be wrong on direction, but you can create your hedge can create opportunity that you can make money on. And that's what I love about them is it kind of once I'm in, then I have a couple different ways to skin the cat, as they say. Yeah, yeah Black and Scholes, you talk about like complicated, uh, literally won the Nobel Prize uh, for developing the, uh, I believe, for the Black Scholes option pricing model. Mm-hmm. Which everyone still uses. Yeah, in economic, like Nobel Prize in economics. Although, hey man, one of them went on to join long-term capital ma- management, the hedge fund, and it exploded. So, if you ever it think, just goes to show you, it doesn't yeah, matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. The market can eat up anyone like that. But options are, I uh, of all those futures have their nuances. But I think it's safe to say, of all the things we looked at, options are the most complicated. And there's stuff they, beyond, there's derivatives that are more complicated than options, but they're all essentially forms of options. Right. They're, they're complicated. just more complicated. That's, I think, the biggest thing to think about when it comes to options. And they, you know, face value, they seem realistic, right? Okay. If I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy a, a set put against Tesla, um, and this is what I, you know, the face value sounds realistic, but what's what's actually happening involved there? And a lot of times it's going to be a retail person kind of getting stuck going against a professional and the the playing field is not even there. Yeah. So I guess we can get to why I think we, though we trade both, why we both kind of uh, think that for directional day trading, which is what most people are doing, that futures are the best. And we will address the question the person asked about, uh, you know, He's come for stocks and options, thinks futures are too volatile. How can I manage not to trade and stepped out? Well, I think this person is getting tripped up by the first actual advantage of futures that you have to understand and control is that they are much more leveraged than, you know, when we talk stock margin, I, I feel like most places, I mean, I don't know, at Fidelity, I've never really explored how much they'll give you, but maybe it's two to one and maybe you could do like a double long something so like in, in the four range um but like futures right you know a lot of these contracts you're putting down for yes you know five percent something like that and that's if you're holding overnight so in that respect you're getting uh 20 to one uh leverage right leverage yeah yeah you're not gonna get 20 to one leverage trading stocks that i'm aware of and so that is good in that you get as much sort of movement and leverage as you want and that has its pros and cons that would be my first reason um so to answer the guy's question basically is if you're going coming from stocks and options and you keep on getting stopped out trading futures it's because you're trading too big uh compared to where you need to spread your stops out for something that's gonna move a lot more uh dollar wise right Right, and I would add into that too, Jack. Like you do come into futures, you're gonna have more volatility in the dollar sense. You know, if you're trading stocks, we can. I mean, we just talked about Amazon just a minute ago, down two hundred and eighty dollars or whatever a share. Um, that's a huge astronomical move. If you had a one lot on in uh, Amazon, you know, that's two hundred and eighty bucks. You have a one lot on in crude oil, that's twenty eight cent move in crude oil, and you're at that two hundred and eighty dollar loss. So. The, the actual dollars and cents going in and out of your account are much more extreme when you come into futures. And so you have to kind of come in with that the right expectation, like, hey, it's gonna, the money's going to come and the money's going to go a lot faster than a lot of this other stuff I've been doing. 
And that's one of the draws to trading into the futures world because like any trader out there, you know, it's that quick return. You know, we want that immediate satisfaction. I don't think there's a trader out there that does not enjoy immediate satisfaction. And that's what futures trading kind of provides. You can, at the end of the day, on a good day, you've got that immediate satisfaction of this is how much money I just made. To do that when you're trading, you know, or investing into a stock, it doesn't come that easily. So manage those expectations you come in. And then, Jack, like you said, you know, recognizing what's your appetite for risk, you know, going into a little bit deeper on where those stops are. If that three, four hundred dollars is a lot what you're used to compared to what you're used to in a given day, you've got to kind of come in and recognize, hey, what's my appetite for risk and how am I going to be able to handle this? I think more often than not, traders that want to manage the risk really, really well end up stopping themselves out way too tight because they're afraid of losses. And then that's when those, you know, little, what do they say? Um, you know, death from a million cuts, you know, yeah. that's what's going to happen. Don't let it be all these little nicks and little scratches against you. Take some room, take some time, let things evolve and let the trade play out. Yeah. The, uh, traders that struggle, we see it's overwhelmingly not trading, too small with two wide stops is trading too large with two small stops and those two numbers are directly impact each other so if i was someone who's coming from stocks i think it would help to think in nominal terms to start off with if you're trading the es for instance um just to make some round numbers let's say the es was at four thousand. that contract is 50 times that which is two hundred thousand. so think about what's in your account and think would i be willing to buy or sell uh, $200,000 worth of spy right here. Uh, that will give you an idea of how wide you need to be, or if maybe you need to move down to the micros, right? I mean, those are great too. They are. And I, I would love to touch on micros just a little bit here too, right? We're talking volatility. If you're going through our program, you're in the combine, you're in a simulated market. Keep in mind what the micros are designed for. Micros are designed to en as an entryway into the future, into the E-mini um, thinking about depth of market, right? I know a lot of traders, they want to size up in the micros. They want to trade 50 lots. That's um, that's not, not realistic. Not efficient. It's not efficient. You know, people love, I think there's a lot of people want to talk the talk. Like, hey, I'm trading, yeah, I got a 50 lot on right now in the S&P. Um, that's not what that's there for. Micros are a great entryway to get comfortable, to kind of build things up. And then all of a sudden, if you're putting on 10 and 20 micros that's when you got to start thinking about all right let's let's graduate from the micros to the minis that rem yeah that reminds me of there's a guy that used to trade at the firm i was at didn't last too long but used to love to this so is the nominal value of the uh of, of the cash treasury bonds is a million dollars a piece they don't move that much so the, the margin's very low but he would love to if he's on the train or something to be like on the phone with his clerk uh, you know, instead of saying like, you know, just, you know, sell me five lots of the spread being like, yeah, sell me five million to you, stuff like that. It's like, no one cares. No one cares. Yeah. No one cares. <laughs> I, I used to, when I first started and I was learning all that stuff and I'm like, that's what this is. And then I started getting panicky and I was like freaking out when I first started learning like the notional values of bonds. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is a lot of money. What am I doing? What am I doing? I got real anxious yeah that's definitely anxiety provoking that's not a good thing to i think just to start 
this is more of an exercise to give you an example of leverage, especially if you're trading outrights, which I think most of the retail traders are. And in which case, just futures, I mean, to sum everything up, futures are the most efficient product um, for doing trades like that because there's no time premium like there's with an option and you still get a bunch of leverage and there's uh, smaller ways to do it. So that's kind of why I think that if you're doing day trading, futures are your way to go. I would agree 100%. I've kind of been around the block. I've traded a lot of different things. Futures for day trading, futures are going to be your best opportunity because you know what the best part about it is? If you're wrong, you can be done. Um, Options, it's a little bit harder sometimes. Uh, If you see it going against you, how you're getting out, the losses you're taking, um, then you start processing all the other ways to to adjust yourself, and uh, it can lead uh, down a little bit of a spiral where futures you can get out, you can be done, and uh, you can call it a day and maybe start your weekend early. Yeah, speaking of which, yeah, and if you want to um, learn more from some pros about trading futures, uh, he's got a hype. Uh, Make whole money's been killing it. Uh, that is. We'll put the landing page in the description for this podcast. But uh, John Hogan's been doing live trading on Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 820. Uh, he, uh, four or five days a week at 745. Is, is there a Friday forecast? Yeah? Yes. Or no. Yeah. 745 a.m. in the Top Step YouTube, five days a week. You can get the forecast with John Hoagland. And he's doing live trading after that on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So come on by and learn more about that. And that's all I got for now. Um Hopefully, the NASDAQ doesn't implode after these Amazon earnings. It feels like it might just want to do that. Oh, the tangled lives we live. Well, everything's still good. I'm going to go have dinner with the family and um, not really care about it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, Jack. You have yourself a nice afternoon. And everybody out there, have a nice day. Yeah, namaste and trade well. We'll see you next week. This has been the Limit Up Podcast, produced by Top Step. Be sure to rate us, not hate us, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out topstep.com if you're interested in trying a trading combine and earning funding for your futures account. We'll see you soon.